Hello, welcome to the Reversing Diabetes with Delane MD podcast, episode number 197 or 198. I should have looked that up, but I didn't. I apologize. I know we're coming up on 200 pretty quickly. My name is Delane Vaughn. I'm a board certified family practitioner, a former emergency room nurse, and a veteran healthcare provider and host of this podcast. This podcast is for women who are not ready to let go of their longevity, their vitality, and their vigor. It's for women who know that life is a gift and are not ready to start the downward spiral into letting go of that. I think most of us realize that as we get older, the crispness of our exuberance and our stamina might dull out a bit, but we're not ready to blunt it out entirely. When we receive a diagnosis like diabetes or prediabetes, we see that as a warning shot that threatens this gift, and we want to find a way to stop it. We learn about diabetes, and we realize that really this process has to be reversed entirely in order for us to maintain the spirit that's always been us and defined us. This podcast is dedicated to strategies for helping women do just that. So let's get started. Today, we are going to talk about awareness. Currently, I'm in a different location, so anybody who follows on YouTube and sees the live broadcasting of the podcast, uh, you know that normally I'm not in the area that I'm in now. I'm downstairs in my living room, in my like main room, not in my typical office. I'm currently aware that summer has descended upon Kansas. It's like upper 90s on May 7th. And so it's hot and my office is in the third floor and it's currently the heat and the sun, all of it. I'm like blocking myself from the sun. You can see how the sun like has this weird pattern going right now. It's because I've tried to block myself from it. I feel like the sun's trying to kill me a little bit. Definitely, um, unless you're baking something, my current office, my third floor office is not appropriate for any activities. So it's just hot. I really do enjoy the heat. Um, Sometimes... I have to make adjustments. I'm not ready to turn the air conditioner on until we're maybe at a double digits in May. I don't know. So I've moved locations. So I'm kind of in this squirrely space. You can see outside on my front porch. I pray nobody comes to that door and tries to talk to me because I would have to somehow manage the podcast and that uh, visitor. So that should be interesting. So before we get started, I want to make sure everybody hears the disclaimer that I typically put on all my podcasts. If you have been medicated for your type 2 diabetes and you start to implement the changes that I recommend in this podcast, you may find yourself in a very serious condition. This can be dangerous. You have been medicated because the way you've eaten in the past, and if you change the way you eat, your meds need to change too. You need to call your doctor before you start making these changes and get a clear line of communication open with them so that you know how to relay to them your blood sugars and so that they can give you back information on how they want you to change your meds. If you're not doing this, you can get in a very dangerous situation very quickly. So please be careful. Please call your primary carrier provider who's giving you your meds and talk about how you they want you to have this line of communication open with them. I also want to remind everybody, rate the podcast. If you're listening to this on a podcast player, please rate the podcast. When you do that, this information that hopefully you're finding helpful gets out to other people. When it gets out to other people, they can get the same help that you're getting. So rate the podcast, review the podcast. Also follow me on Instagram, follow me on Facebook. There is a Facebook group, Delane MD Reversing Diabetes is the name of the group. If you want to look it up and ask to join the group, I try to do a good job of going in weekly and letting folks in, like getting everybody admitted. Sometimes I, I fall short. I feel like I've, I've done that a little bit lately. I've had been pulled in a number of different directions. So that hasn't happened, but I will get in there hopefully this week and get folks admitted. So if that's something you're interested in, it's such a helpful group of people that are in that Facebook group. It's such a great community. 
get in there, get the help you need, get this diabetes thing behind you. I do want to share a listener success story. These are my favorite things. These are not necessarily clients. Like these are, this particular story is not from somebody who's worked in my group. This is somebody who's taken the information in this podcast, applied it to their life and made huge changes to their health. So I want to read this email that I received. Hi, Delane. We can all use good news and encouragement, so I wanted to give you an update on my reversing diabetes journey and to say thank you for your podcast and giving people real solutions for healthy lifestyles. In November of 2022, my A1C was 7.1 and my fasting blood sugar was 171. After seeing my doctor and then finding your podcast in December, I chose to make changes rather than begin taking meds. I'm happy to report that as of March 31st of 2023, my A1C is 5.2. Three. My fasting blood sugar is 113. I also went from weighing 210 pounds in December to now weighing 180 pounds. I'm five foot 10 and I'm not sure what my ideal weight is, but I am excited that I've been able to see results like this and tell everyone about your podcast and your YouTube. Best Sharon. So Sharon, bravo. Well done. I hope you strain a back muscle high five in yourself and pat yourself on the back. This is huge. You went from having metabolic disease and having this abnormal biology in your life and in your body to basically normalizing that. That's a huge deal. So high five up top. I love hearing these stories. I love working with women. I love helping them make all of these changes and learning how to apply these changes. Today, we're going to talk about awareness. You guys don't need me to tell you to lay off the chocolate cake. You all know that. We need to talk about why we keep eating chocolate cake, even though we know it makes us sick. Women who are able to figure that out through this podcast and men too, people who are able to figure that out just by listening to this podcast, that's huge. That's huge. Strong work, Sharon. I'm so happy for you. I'm so happy to hear your success. Keep it up, girl, and let me know if you need anything. All right. So we're going to talk about awareness today. This has really been based on a lot of work I've been doing with clients and of course also work I've been doing with myself. Awareness is a skill that we can hone, that we can develop, and it allows us to be in touch with our experience as it is without having to change it. Just be able to allow and acknowledge our experiences, see what they're trying to tell us. Again, this is a skill that has to be practiced, right? This is not the way most of us approach our experiences in life. There are formal ways to practice this, and I will talk briefly about this in the end, but understand that Learning to be aware and learning to practice the skill of awareness is important because when women come and they start this journey of making any life change, really any change in your life probably starts out this way. But where I see this, of course, is with women when they start the journey to reversing their diabetes and they start trying to live a naturally healthy life. They usually try to avoid certain experiences. And unfortunately, this is taught by diet culture. So like any commercial weight loss program typically teaches these kinds of strategies. So they're going to avoid certain experiences like hunger or cravings or emotions they don't like, like sadness or feeling overwhelmed. Okay. When we can't avoid them, we start to get anxious about them because we've been taught that we have to avoid them because that's the strategy to manage those experiences. Okay. We've been taught that we can't possibly feel those feelings, that we can't manage these feelings. So we should try to avoid them. We've all heard this from various diet programs, right? Avoid being hungry when you're at the grocery store to shop, avoid going to the party hungry, find an alternative to the things you like to munch on. Instead of M&Ms, try grapes or berries. When we're sad, we're taught that we should remember all the good things in our life. Right. And I think that 
maybe as a society, we're moving away from that a little bit, but certainly there is, there are those folks out there that are like, oh, but everything's so great in your life. Whenever people talk about being sad about something, when we're overwhelmed, we're taught to remember, you know, affirming ideas, like there's enough time to do everything. We almost like these affirming mantras. And that is helpful if that's helpful. But if it's not working for you and creating what you want, you have to think about something else, right? I get it. I'm all about making it easier. Don't hang out in donut shops, for God's sake. If you find it difficult to resist donuts, don't hang out at donut shops, right? Don't ruminate in sadness in your life. There's nothing wonderful going to come from that. Don't wallow in the feeling of overwhelm. You're not going to get anything done that way. Totally true. But seeking to avoid an uncomfortable feeling, especially experiences that are like really part of the normal human experience. And instead of experiencing them, we avoid them like the plague. When we seek out to avoid those feelings, we do ourselves a huge disservice for a few reasons. One, you're arguing with the reality, right? You want to, you do, you are hunger, you're hungry, right? You feel hunger in that moment. You might crave or desire something. Arguing and telling yourself that you don't or hiding from it is not the right answer. Maybe you're truly sad about something that's happened in your life. Trying to talk yourself out of that is not helpful. When you feel overwhelmed, trying to talk yourself out of that is not helpful. We end up pouring our mental resources into arguing about the way we feel or into avoiding the experiences. And it's not going to ever solve it. It's crazy because, of course, we're taught this, like societally, I feel like we're taught to do this, which blows my mind away. Like somehow I can manage my kids and my family and my bills and my schedule and my career, but I can't seem to manage the desire for chocolate. It's baloney. It's BS. It's a BS mentality that's taught in the diet industry and it keeps us exhausted and sick. So we start to try to we end up fighting, trying to fight these experiences like cravings or hunger and sadness and overwhelm. And then we just feel exhausted. In fact, when women come to me and they tell me how hard it is to not eat the blank, maybe it's the donuts, right? Donuts at the donut shop, donuts in the break room. Maybe it's chocolate chips. Maybe it's chocolate. Maybe it's pizza. Maybe it's mac and cheese. Whatever it is, when they come to me and tell me how hard it is, I know that they are pouring their mental resources into the wrong place. The reason I know this is that not doing something is the easiest thing to do. Period. End of sentence. It takes absolutely no energy to do nothing. It's so easy. When I hear from somebody that it's so hard for me to not eat the food, I understand that the reason that it's hard is because they start into this mental experience. I want it, but I shouldn't. I need to stop wanting it. I shouldn't want it. I should just eat it. No, I shouldn't. But I want it. If I could just stop wanting it, it's so good. I wish I didn't think it was good. I'm going to have it. It'd be so easier if I didn't want it, right? Like this is the story and it's exhausting. This is the stuff that your mind ruminates in. And it's exhausting. It's that back and forth argument that's exhausting. I used the example of arguing with a child about when it was going to bed, when they were going to bed, right? I used this just recently in the podcast. If you try to explain to the four-year-old why it's important for them to be in bed at eight o'clock, you are going to go blue in the face before you ever convince them of that because they're never going to be convinced of that. As a parent, a loving parent who adores their children... You don't try to talk them into it. You don't try to tell them, yeah, you really want to go to bed at eight o'clock. You're just like, hey, we're going to bed at eight o'clock. It's what we do. There's no question. 
there's no arguing about it. You just tell them. And when they try to argue with you, you're like, I love you so much. And we're not talking about it. It's time for bed. That's what we do as loving parents, because we know that if you argue with them and try to talk them into it, it's exhausting. It's exhausting. And that's what you're trying to do when you're having these back and forth arguments, trying to talk yourself out of desiring the food that you like, that you up till now have always liked. Okay. And then of course, to keep us doing the thing that we believe we need to be doing, the not eating of the food, the not eating of the donuts, we start moving. We start moving away from the food, right? Like we pack up our laptop and take it to a different area of our building to get away from the donuts that are in the break room or the candy bowl, right? And when the argument rages on in our head, we look for some other physical barrier that we can recreate until we run out of options and we just cave and eat the donuts or the chocolate. Okay. This is why the talking ourselves out of what's happening just doesn't work. It just doesn't work. So awareness is a skill that allows you to stop fighting the feelings and to just start being with them. There's nothing fancy about it, right? You just sit with the feeling and you feel it until it dissipates or evaporates or whatever word you want to use. It goes away. It'll come back. Don't lose your marbles. It's not like you're going to feel craving for chocolate once and not cave to it. And suddenly you're never going to want chocolate again. That's not a reality. It will come back. And the same way that you practiced sitting with it and allowing it and acknowledging it and being aware of it before, you're just going to be better at doing it this time, right? So not pouring our mental resources into fighting it is number one. The idea that it has to be easy is also BS, okay? Listen to me. If not eating this food that makes you sick were easy, everyone would be doing it. <laughs> we wouldn't have the epidemic of obesity and diabetes that we have. Remember the studies, and I'll link to them in the show notes. The study done in by the University of North Carolina in 2019, where it talked about looking at, I mean, it looked at, I think, hundreds of thousands of charts. And again, I'll link to it so you can read it yourself. From the um, NIH, it looked at a number of charts from the NIH, and it looked for evidence of metabolic disease. It looked for five biomarkers and evidence of metabolic disease. And 88% of those records that they examined, there was evidence of metabolic disease. 88% almost nine out of 10 of those charts had evidence of metabolic disease, okay? A similar study or a repeat of that study done by Tufts University, and it was published in 2022, looked at the same information. And they found that that number was 93% of the charts that they looked at had evidence of metabolic disease. That's nine out of 10 Americans have evidence of metabolic disease. What is easy is just being sick that's easy. Okay. So the idea that it has to be easy for us to be healthy. If that's the expectation, we're probably going to be disappointed a lot. <laughs> Recognize we are hardwired via this concept called the motivational triad. The motivational triad is described as seeking pleasure, avoiding pain, and making it as easy as possible or expending the least amount of energy as possible. Okay. That is a hard wiring in the human brain, which is why eating the food is always going to be the easiest thing to do, right? You are going to 
I mean, uh, clearly that's the easiest thing to do because nine out of 10 of us are doing it, right? Like living that unhealthy life is going to be the easiest thing to do because we're all doing it. Okay. Experiencing the feeling, being aware, being present with the feeling and experiencing it. That's the challenge. The reason awareness is quote unquote hard is it's hard to slow down your brain, slow down your behavior that you have associated with a feeling. Okay. When you have the feeling, when you have to feel the feeling, especially feelings that we value, we have in the past valued as bad. We want to avoid them, right? We want to avoid discomfort or pain. We value them as bad because there's some sort of discomfort associated with it, right? The motivational triad tells us we're going to seek to avoid that. Since it's hard, the motivational triad also seeks to not do it. We pour our mental resources into trying to avoid that discomfort. This is why women avoid cravings. We pour our mental resources into avoiding it versus experiencing it and dealing with it. Okay. It all goes back to this motivational triad. This is also why dietitians and nutritionists and trainers will tell you to avoid getting hungry because they do not believe you can manage the feeling of hunger. So instead of pouring your resources into managing hunger, you pour your mental resources into solving the Rubik's cube of how to keep enough healthy food around you all the time so that you don't get hungry and you arrange your day to stay away from the foods that are tempting and you want to keep the fast as long as you possibly can, but never get hungry and never get around the food. And how do you manage the party on Saturday night to avoid being hungry around that food? We do all of this chaotic energy in our brain to avoid feeling something we have valued as bad. We do it with other quote unquote bad feelings, anger, annoyance, overwhelm, sadness. Mine was boredom. Like I avoided boredom like the plague, like I was getting disemboweled or something. It was ridiculous. It was boredom. There was nothing to avoid. It wasn't even painful. It was just blah, but I avoided it, right? We do this with many feelings that we value, quote unquote, give a value of quote unquote badness to. So many feelings have meanings. Like I would offer to you that feelings always are trying to tell you something, all of the things, all of the quote unquote bad feelings, anger, annoyance, overwhelm, sadness, boredom, joy, happiness, cravings, urges, overwhelm, whatever it is, they all have something they're trying to tell you. It's interesting. If you look at studies in psychological literature, they will tell you that most human beings will name three feelings that they feel, three feelings, and that's it. I think it's interesting. It's like trying to paint a picture with only three colors, right? When we, it would be a boring picture. The more colors we have, the more robust and interesting the pictures are, right? When we get so worried about feeling an emotion that we can't even name anything other than three emotions, and then we try to push those emotions away and resist them and not manage the feeling or at least experience the feeling, right? When we do that, it's like we're experiencing our life in only three colors. It's insane, right? The variety of colors is what makes the robustness and the interest to a picture or to a painting. When we limit our experiences to only three feelings, we limit the robustness of our life. Our life is limited. It limits our outcomes. So the long-term fix for all of the emotions, good and bad, but certainly nobody's trying to avoid happiness. A lot of times though, interestingly, we will try to bump up happiness, right? It's why I think people drink so much at weddings and eat so much at weddings. Weddings are happy times. 
like it's happy families together, seeing each other, there's hugs, there's excitement, there's, you know, a new horizon. There's all this feel goodness. There's great music. I mean, there's all this feel goodness. And yet we still want to throw cake and alcohol on it, right? Because we want to make it quote unquote better. <laughs> we want to plump up the goodness. So it's interesting to even just sit and be aware of any of the feelings. Most of us are aware with when we try to avoid feeling quote unquote bad. Most of us understand that when we're bored, when we're angry, when we're sad, we want to push that away. We want to resist that. I don't think most people realize how much we try to um, externally adjust the good feelings too. But the long-term fix of any of the emotions is not that you avoid the feeling. It's not that you avoid the cravings, the hunger, the sadness, the anger, the overwhelm. It's not that you seek out only good feelings. The answer is that you allow yourself to feel all the feelings and you start to see what they're trying to tell you. This process of feeling the feelings and seeing what they're trying to tell you is awareness. That is what this process is. This is why becoming aware is so important. For me, I see this all the time. I see it when I'm driving, y'all know, and I joke about it, but I've kind of decided that I don't want it so much in my life that I feel a lot of anxiety in my car. I start when I get into my car and start driving, I start with my emotional level already ticked up a few notches, probably five or 10 notches if we're being honest. And then it's very quick for me to fly into a pretty intense emotion. If somebody, and it's usually what it is, they're not going fast enough. They have not cut me off. They have not tried to kill me. They have not slammed on their brakes in front of me. They have in no way tried to single me out and harm me in any way. They probably just aren't going fast enough. And so from that space, I'm already starting keyed up in my emotional intensity, right? And suddenly I'm ticking that up even higher into a space I just don't want to live in is really what it comes down to. I don't want to spend every hour that I'm in my car in the space of anxiety. So I've actually, I realize and I feel it. I feel the anxiety and I know exactly why it's there. And I take a few deep breaths and I center myself. I ground myself. I become aware of what's going on. I am anxious because I believe I'm not going to have enough time to get somewhere. And even if I don't have enough time to get somewhere, even if I'm late, that's okay. Nobody's going to die because I'm late. It's all right. Deep breath, come to my center, release some of that anxiety. It has taken time to ratchet that anxiety down, to get into the car and start each car experience with a deep breath and relaxation versus allowing that low level anxiety to be my starting point. Okay. Awareness is seeing the emotion that's there, figuring out what it is. When I'm driving, my anxiety comes because I'm afraid I'm going to be late. I'm going to tell you a little secret, guys. I'm late everywhere. It's like a disease I can't get rid of. I'm always late. Now, am I an hour late? No, but am I usually like, if I'm on time, I'm going to strain my back muscles, pat myself back there because I did a good job just by being on time. There are those people who are like, if you're not five minutes early, you're late. I am not that kid, right? If I'm on time, I'm on time, right? And I'm pretty stoked about it. So that is always my fear is that I'm going to be late. And of course I did judge myself very harshly when I was younger because I was late a lot everywhere. I was late to everything. And although I'm not late, like I used to be, I have totally tied the anxiety, the emotion of anxiety with any car experience, even though most of the time I'm not late anymore. 
I've totally tied it together. So when I start to feel anxiety, I have to call myself, okay, what is happening? Why am I anxious? Investigate it. What is it trying to tell me? It's trying to tell me that I'm still that kid that was always late to everything, even though that's not true anymore. I have to remind myself, I've given myself enough time. There's no need to hurry. You don't need to be angry with everybody else on the road because they're getting in your quote unquote way. You don't need to do that. That is awareness. I'm not arguing with myself that it's okay that that dude drives blah, 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 blah. I'm not even having, I should, I shouldn't. There is no argument anymore. It's just like, oh, we got this. Like you're anxious because of this. And that's not even relevant for you at this point. Do I need to continue to feel anxious? When I am craving chocolate, chocolate's a big one. I, I, I love chocolate. I still would eat chocolate all the time. If I don't know, I don't know, maybe I wouldn't eat chocolate all the time. I can't, I can't figure out where the alternate universe would be, that that would be my reality, but I do like chocolate and my brain still frequently offers me chocolate. And when I get that desire at the end of every meal, even though I eat chocolate maybe three times a month. And we're talking about a couple squares of chocolate a few times a month. I do not eat a lot of chocolate. When my brain offers me chocolate, there is no argument. I'm like, yeah, of course. I mean, like I desire chocolate. Why wouldn't I desire chocolate? It's delicious. And my brain, like the awareness is I'm desiring it, right? Breaking that behavior of getting it just because I desire it is kind of what allowed me to kind of investigate what's happening, to become more aware and acknowledge and allow. When I ask myself, why do I want the chocolate? It's usually because, hey, girl, it's the end of a meal. Everybody deserves a little something at the end of a meal. And I get to decide then, okay, yes, maybe everybody does deserve it, but yes, we're going to do it or no, we're not going to do it. Or instead, I'm going to have some grapes or maybe some berries and some yogurt. But chocolate's just not on the table today. And I like my reasons for not doing it. Slowing down the process of feeling the emotion that you have tied to a behavior so frequently in the car, it's this, you know, driving and this anxiety and this kind of very aggressive driving that I used to do. And it created more anxiety for the chocolate. It's the desire of the chocolate. And then the eating, the reaching, the grabbing for the chocolate, despite what your is really on your plan, or maybe really fits with your biology on that day. Right. Instead of having the feeling and immediately moving to the action, it's now that I have the feeling and I have this pause. I slow it down. What's going on? Why am I having it? That is awareness. So meditation is something I highly promote. It not only decreases your stress response and increases your parasympathetic or your relaxation response, which means you're decreasing cortisol production, which is really great for insulin resistance and blood sugar and all that jazz. Yes, meditation is all of those things. But also recognize meditation is a fabulous tool for learning how to become aware. It will bring you back to your breath and help you become aware that your brain and your concentration had floated off somewhere else in the world. It's a wonderful tool for learning how to become aware. I highly recommend it. Um, a couple of weeks ago, I had a colleague of mine, um, a good friend of mine, do a um, webinar with me on meditation, on breath work on some of these uh, stress management techniques. We talked a lot about meditation. Find that on my YouTube channel, LaneMD on YouTube. Um, that webinar is posted there. If you're interested in uh, hearing some of those strategies, that's there. If you want to find other ways of using meditation or learning meditation, you can use apps. There's a great app called Calm. I love Calm. There's Headspace. YouTube has plenty of free meditation um, 
all, all sorts of times, but free meditation uh, videos and audio files. Um, so there's a hundred different ways to learn how to do this. I feel like meditation is one of the most effective ways to really learn awareness. So guys recognize this is what coaching is about. I said in the beginning of the podcast, I'll say it again. Nobody needs me to tell them lay off the chocolate cake. Y'all know that learning how to become aware and why I have this feeling. And immediately I tie it together with this behavior and how do I stop that in a way that I can stop eating these foods that are making me sick? These are the strategies that we really learn to master in my group. And one of the tools that I teach is awareness among other tools. If this is the work that you're needing to do, if you need a plan or a food plan, you know, listen to the podcast, you're going to get that. If you need a food plan, you can find a hundred books that will help you have food plans for reversing your type two diabetes. If you need to work on the deconstruction of the neural pathway in your brain that has you feel one feeling and immediately reach for food, that's what coaching is for. If you're interested in that, reach out to me, send me a message, Delane at DelaneMD.com. We'll get you set up for a consult and get you on that path. If you have any questions about anything that I talked about in this podcast, don't hesitate to reach out to me. If like sharing, you have a great success story, please share it with me. I love to hear it. I hope you all have a great week and I will talk to you next week. Bye-bye.